Well, good morning. It is good to be here this morning um, after a one-week break, and I want to thank Bob Chambers for filling in last week, doing a wonderful job. I know all of you who were here last week were blessed by what Bob had to say last week. Um, if you didn't get a chance to listen to what Bob said, you can go onto our website. The podcast is there. Um, and listen to it. I did that. Um, it's a wonderful sermon. It's something that you'll want to make sure that you listen to uh, before it's, you forget the fact that it's actually there. So please plan on doing that. Also, I want to remind you about a couple of things that are coming up this next weekend. On Saturday, we are having a community outreach event. We're inviting all of our neighbors, all the people from the community, friends and family to come be with us from 6 to 8 p.m. on Saturday evening. Santa Claus will make an appearance here. Uh, We'll have free pictures for people with Santa. We'll have caroling that will be going on. There will be cider and hot chocolate and crafts, all kinds of fun things. So you'll want to be here, but you'll also want to make sure that you invite others to come and be a part of that with us. And then on Sunday is our annual Christmas party. So Sunday evening will be a big event here at the church. At 4.30, we'll have a short devotional here in the auditorium. And then we'll go over to the gym. We'll have a potluck meal. And then we'll have our annual entertainment, uh, which is, I don't know why, but for me, it's just a highlight of the year, watching all of the people get up and humiliate themselves for my particular entertainment. And I just want you to know I appreciate that. Um, Just a heads up. Um, We're going to have a special thing going on. It will involve Anthony and myself. Anthony has no idea what's going on, um, which will make it even more fun. So make sure you're there for that as well. So please look forward to those things and be in prayer about them as well. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you humbled by your great love for us. Father, we're humbled by a love that's so great that it led Jesus to the cross for us. And Father, we pray that we will be people who respond to that great love with great love of our own. That we will be people who love you with all of our hearts and minds and souls and strength. And we pray, Father, that love will express itself in lives of service. Father, as we serve you and as we serve our neighbors. Father, help us to be that kind of house. We pray this through Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So life is full of choices. Isn't that true? Life is full of choices, choice after choice after choice. In fact, one way that we can think of life is that it's just a series of choices and then the consequences of those choices. Take a moment and just think about all the choices that you have already made today. Maybe you made this choice. Do I get out of bed or do I hit snooze again? Do I make eggs for breakfast or do I just pull out the Pop-Tarts for breakfast? Do I wear a red bow tie or do I wear a blue bow tie this morning? Maybe I was the only one who struggled with that this morning. But we make choice after choice after choice. And most of the choices that we make are fairly routine and mostly insignificant. They don't require a lot of thought, and the consequences of our choices don't have much lasting impact on our lives or the lives of others. But we also know that there are some choices that we all have in our lives that are anything but routine. They're anything but insignificant. They do require a lot of thought. They do require a lot of deliberation. 
And they require a lot of thought and deliberation because the consequences of those choices do have a lasting impact on our lives and do have a lasting impact on the lives of others. Choices like, do I quit my job and start my own business? Choices like, do I say yes to that marriage proposal or do I choose to remain single? Momentous choices. And today, as we shift our focus back to our 2015 theme, we find God's people, we find the Israelites are facing a momentous choice. And their choice is whether to serve the God who sent Moses and Aaron to bring his people out of Egypt or choose to serve the gods of Egypt whether to choose to serve the God who defeated the Amorites and the Moabites and brought his people across the Jordan River, or to serve the gods of the Amorites and the gods of the Moabites, whether to choose to serve the God who brought down the walls of Jericho, or to choose to serve the gods of Jericho, whether to choose to serve the God who gave them the land on which they did not toil and who gave them cities that they did not build, or to choose to serve the gods of those defeated lands and of those defeated cities. So in the scripture that was just read, as the old warrior Joshua stood up before God's people, he tells them it's decision time. He says it's time to make a choice. And this is not a routine. This is not an insignificant choice. He's telling them it's time to make a choice that's the most momentous and most meaningful choice you will ever make. It's the most impactful choice they will ever make. Let's listen again as the old warrior speaks. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. He says, throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua had made his choice, but he knew he couldn't choose for everybody. It was their choice. Each person, each household had to make their own choice. Was it going to be the idol gods of the Egyptians and the Amorites? Or was it going to be the God who had rescued and who had defeated and who had provided? So Joshua asked the people, Who are you going to be in light of what God has done for you? Who are you going to be in light of what God has done for us? And he's also asking the people, Who are you going to choose to be in light of what God has done for you? Whose are you going to choose to be? Are you going to belong to the idol gods? Or are you going to belong to the true and living God? Are you truly going to be God's people? Or are you going to just wear his name while you choose to serve other gods? And so throughout 2015, we've been asking ourselves Joshua's questions. We've been asking ourselves who we are going to choose to serve. Are we going to choose to serve the God who sent Jesus? 
He sent Jesus to us to bring us out of our slavery to sin? Or are we going to choose to serve our desires for sin? Are we going to choose to serve the God who defeated death? Or are we going to choose to serve the ways of our world that leads us to death? Are we going to choose to serve the God who has promised us an eternal land, an eternal land on which we have not toiled, and who promises us an eternal city which we did not build? Or are we going to choose to serve our desires for the temporary riches of this life? Throughout 2015, we've been asking ourselves Joshua's questions. Who are we going to choose to be in light of what God has done for us? Are we going to choose to serve the Lord or are we going to choose to serve ourselves? We've been asking ourselves, whose are we going to choose to be in light of what God has done for us? Are we going to choose to be owned by God? Are we going to choose to be owned by our desires and by our appetites? Are we going to choose to truly serve God or are we going to be content to just wear his name? And it may seem odd to you to be spending this much time talking about a choice which this group of people here seemingly has already made. I mean, after all, we're a group of Christians who have gathered together. We've gathered in a worship service. We've gathered at a church of Christ seems pretty clear that our intention as a group of people is to serve the Lord. But I think we also all know that what we intend to do and what we often actually end up doing are often very different things. And just as Joshua, just as the old warrior stood in front of his people, he knew then that they, God's chosen people, they were gathered together. They were gathered together in front of God's chosen leader in God's chosen promised land. And Joshua knew that their intention was to serve the Lord. But Joshua knew that what they intended to do and what they often ended up doing were very different things. See, when it comes to being a true servant of God, there are really three easy-to-believe, big lies that consistently derail our desire, our intent to serve the Lord. Three big lies. The first big lie that we often choose to believe that derails us is the fact that we choose to believe that being a servant of God is cost-free. It doesn't come at any cost. We choose to believe the lie that you don't have to give up anything in order to be God's servant. That you can continue to live like you've always lived and still be God's servant. You know, Jesus wasn't bashful at all about letting people know that being his servant wasn't cost-free. He told a lot of people who had very good intentions that they first needed to count the cost of choosing to follow him. For some of those people, it was their possessions that it was going to cost them. For others, it was their families. For others, it was their homes. For others, it was their status. For others, it might be their health. For others, the cost just might be their physical life. We need to understand that choosing to serve God is never cost-free. Well, the second big lie we often choose to believe about being a servant of God is that choosing to serve is the same as choosing to believe. See, belief that doesn't translate into action is just 
dead. We need to understand that servants serve. And they serve because they believe. They don't believe just in the existence of God. They believe in the lordship of God. See, we serve not just because we believe that God is the God of the universe and he is the God of the universe. But we choose to serve because we believe that the God is the God of our lives. He's the God of the great universe, but he's the God of my life. Jesus' blunt little brother, James, put it this way in James chapter 2. He said, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. He says, you believe that there's one God good for you. But even the demons believe that and shudder. See, even the demons believe that there is a God of the universe. But they don't serve. Servants serve. The third big lie that we often choose to believe is that choosing to serve God is inviting God to be a part of our lives. Inviting God to be a part of our lives. See, inviting God to be a part of our lives sounds like some kind of friendship. Maybe even courtship. It's like asking God to come join us in our walk. Many of you here probably remember the old bumper stickers that were popular for quite a while. The bumper stickers said, God is my co-pilot. You remember those bumper stickers? Some of you may have had some. I don't mean to offend you. Um, But that's a bumper sticker that was suggesting that God had been invited along. God had been invited along to help fly the plane. And then a new bumper sticker that came along, and I think it got it more right. It said, if God is your co-pilot, you need to switch seats. That's true, isn't it? See, servants join the master in his walk. The master flies the plane. God isn't part of his servants' lives. He is their life. Servants love and serve him with all of their heart and with all of their soul and with all of their strength and with all of their mind. Choosing to serve God isn't inviting God to be a part of our lives. It's saying that God will be our lives. And there's a common factor in all three of those big lies. And the common factor is the big I. I don't want to give up my stuff. I don't want to have to serve anyone but me. I don't want to give up any control. See, there's nothing that stands in the way of serving God like our desire to serve ourselves. It's the big I that stands in the way. And that's a really big problem. It's a really big problem because the way that we tend to make our choices in life is all about the big I. Our choice making usually goes something like this. What to choose? Well, what's best for me? What to choose? Well, what's in it for me? What to choose? Well, what's easiest for me? What to choose? Well, what feels good to me? What to choose? Well, what's going to make me happy? What to choose? Well, what's going to make me look good? 
And since we often make our choices according to the big I, what's best for me, what feels good to me, choosing to serve God means unchoosing to serve everything else, especially and including ourselves. Remember the words that Joshua said. When he spoke to the people, he said, Throw away the gods your fathers worship and serve the Lord. Throw away the gods. He also said, throw away the gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord. Joshua's advice is good advice. He said, throw it away. He said, get rid of it. He said, unchoose those choices that you've made before. And instead, choose a life of service. A life of service to the Lord. You may be sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute, what about my family? What about my parents? What about my wife? What about my husband? What about my children? What about my neighbor? Aren't we supposed to serve them? And the answer is absolutely. Absolutely we're supposed to serve them. But choosing to serve God requires testing all of those other choices in light of our priority to serve the Lord, our Lord, who is our master. Let me illustrate it this way. When we're making choices, our choices become, how can I best serve God through serving my parents? How can I best serve God through serving my family? How can I best serve God through serving my wife or my husband or my children or my neighbor? See, it isn't a question of serving God or serving family. The question is, how am I going to serve God through serving my family? And for servants of God, that removes the big I. Removes the big I from our decision-making. Our decision-making begins to sound like this. What should I choose? Well, what's best for the cause of Christ? What should I choose? Well, what will bring glory to God? Well, what should I choose? What will bring honor to His name? What should I choose? Well, what will point others to my God? See, the truth of being a servant of God tells a very different story than the story that's told by the big lies. The truth of being a servant, the truth of a life of a servant looks like this. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Jesus said this about being his servant. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Listen carefully. He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit his very soul? See, Jesus is saying, if anyone wants to be my servant... He must deny himself. He must take up his cross daily. And he must follow me. See, those are the three big truths about choosing to be the servant of Jesus Christ. Number one, you are choosing a life of self-denial. 
Number two, you are choosing a life of cross-carrying. And number three, you are choosing a life of following. So when we all together sing the song, Lord, make me a servant. Lord, make me like you. For you are a servant, so Lord, make me one too. When we say those words, what we're saying is, Lord, make us a self-denying, cross-carrying follower like you. We're saying, I choose a life of self-denial. We're saying, I choose to deny my self-control and give all control to my God. We're saying, I deny all ownership and I give everything to God. And we're even saying, I deny all of my dreams of the future and I place my future squarely in the hands of my God. I choose a life of self-denial. We're also saying that we are choosing daily to pick up and carry our cross. And when we're saying that, we're saying that we are choosing a life, a life of sacrifice. But not just any sacrifice. We're choosing to sacrifice ourselves to daily sacrifice ourselves. We daily choose to die to ourselves. So that it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously put it this way. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. So what we're saying is that we choose a life where we are willing to give up everything, even our lives, We're willing to do that for the sake of our master. And our master is Jesus Christ. Who, as we read in Philippians chapter 2, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to. Instead, he made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So we're saying that we choose, we choose to die to self. We choose to die to self like our master died to himself. We're also saying that we choose to follow. We choose to follow rather than to lead. We choose to go where our master goes. We choose to follow where our master leads. We choose to accept his invitation to come on his journey, to come on his walk. And we make that choice so that we can be with our master. We want to be with our master so that we can come to know our master. We want to be with our master and we want to come to know our master so that we can learn from our master. And we choose to know him and we choose to learn from him so we can do as our master did. So we can do as our master is still doing. So that we as servants can live as our master lived. So we can live as Jesus lived. John, in 1 John 1, wrote this. He said, whoever claims to live in Jesus must live as Jesus. 
must live as Jesus did. That's the true life of a servant. That's the invitation that Jesus gives us is come and be a self-denying, cross-carrying follower. That's his invitation. And I'm not sure that that's such a pleasing invitation. I'm not sure it rings real well within our ears. Come be a self-denying, cross-carrying follower. Doesn't make a very good marketing slogan, does it? It doesn't quite have the same ring as the few, the proud, the marines. Or maybe army strong. Or it's not just a job, it's an adventure. Or maybe aim high. It's not a very good marketing slogan. Come and be a self-denying, cross-carrying follower. But we need to understand that saying, this day we will serve the Lord, is choosing to be a self-denying, cross-carrying follower. And it's not a marketing slogan. It's an honest invitation. It's an honest invitation to make the most momentous, the most impactful, the most important decision of our lives. So why would we do that? Why would anyone choose to make a choice to serve God? Why would anyone choose to be a self-denying, cross-carrying follower? Why sign up for that? Why choose to be God's servant? I think it's really fairly simple. I think that we choose to do that because it is our self-denying, cross-carrying master who invites us to follow him. See, we follow Jesus because Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be held on to. We choose to follow Jesus because he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. We choose to follow Jesus because he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, we sign up for that because Jesus denied himself for us. We sign up for that because Jesus carried the cross for us. We sign up that for that because Jesus followed his father's sacrificial wish for us. See, we sign up for that because our master is calling us to live the life that he already lived, and he lived it for us. But we also sign up. We also sign up because our master is calling us to a reward. And he's calling us to a reward he's already prepared for us. We sign up for that life because our faithful master has promised to reward his servants who deny themselves. He's promised to reward his servants who carry their crosses. He's promised to reward his servants who follow him. See, we choose to serve the Lord because we believe that denying and carrying and following are small and momentary troubles compared to the eternal glory that awaits God's servants. We believe that. And so we choose that life. And we choose to serve because we take comfort and we take hope from Paul's words that we find in Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Paul writes, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy 
made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not through yourselves, it is the gift of God. That's why we sign up to be self-denying, cross-carrying followers of Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus is going to do for us. So why would we want any other master than that master? Why would we choose any other life than that life? We're going to end our time together by singing the servant's God song, the servant's song. We're going to end by asking the Lord to make us servants in his image. But we need to understand as we're singing this song, we're asking God to make us into self-denying, cross-carrying followers of Jesus Christ. And if it's your desire to be a self-denying, cross-carrying follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to sing this song like you really mean it. One of the things that's interesting when you get to stand up front like this is to watch us sing songs. And sometimes we sing songs about joy with frowns on our faces. Sometimes we sing about our excitement about God's grace with frowns on our faces. And sometimes we sing songs of tremendous commitment as if we really don't know what we're singing. But if you do truly want God to make you his servant, when we stand and sing, sing this song like you mean it. Also, I want you to know that I understand that you're likely here struggling with all of these things that I've talked about. Struggling to deny yourself, struggling to daily pick up your cross, struggling to follow in the steps of Jesus. I want you to know you're not alone. You are in very good company. Every single person in this place struggles with those same things. You're in good company. We all need help. And the good news is help is available. Help is available here in this place today. And if you feel like you need help this morning, won't you let us know so that we can help you? So we can pray with you. So we can lead you in the right direction. So we can walk along beside you. If that describes you, won't you let us know? You can let us know in a couple of different ways. We're going to sing this song of commitment, asking God to make us that kind of servant. If that's your desire and you know that you need the help of this congregation, while we're singing that song, won't you come to the front and let us know? And we'll do everything we can to help. Or if you're more comfortable doing so, you can do this in a more private way. You can make your way to the back, follow the signs to our library, and at least one of our elders will be in there. Our elders are in there every Sunday praying over this congregation, lifting up you and your prayer requests to our God. But they're also there to pray with you and to to listen about your troubles and to help you in every way they can. And that's an underused underused, uh, service that, that they provide for you. Why don't you take advantage of what your elders stand ready to do for you? Why don't you do that while we stand and we sing this song like we mean this song? Let's stand. Sing, Lord, like a shepherd.